ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam go, Hogue. Go, go, go. This go. is Sports Central. What's up? What's going on? This is Sports Central. My name is Adam Hogue. Inside the WGN studios. And we have a special guest today in studio. I've been looking forward to this interview for a very, very long time because I think this is the most advanced interview I've ever scheduled. Terry Bores. And months, yeah. We, is, we did this a long time ago. Well, you were you were in Florida. I was in Florida. You were yeah. very smartly not in Chicago <laughs> at any point in the winter months. I finally can. That luxury has finally got to me. After, yeah. after being 97 years old, I'm finally in Florida yeah. with all the other old people. When... Uh, <laughs> And they love me. I was in Florida three weeks ago, and I didn't want to leave yet. No. We had, we had two more months of winter left. It's a go. bad idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really was a bad idea to come back, and come back in the middle of a snowstorm. Well, we did set this up a long time ago, and I've been looking forward to it. Uh, Terry has a new book out called The Score of a Lifetime. Uh, it's been out for a while now, actually. I remember I, I got it in the mail the day, because I pre-ordered it, of course, uh, and... In fact, I tried, Terry, this is a true story, I tried to go to Barnes & Noble because I heard a rumor that it might already be in some stores, and I went to the Barnes & Noble like a week before I think it actually came out, and uh, I got the guy to tell me that it was actually in, they had it in their possession in the back. Wow. And I tried to like, I'm like, hey, you know, you got to give this to me now. You can't make (laughs) me wait. It didn't work. It didn't work. Really? No, it didn't work. I had to wait for it to come in the mail, but it did, and I read it within a day. It's very good. Um, for those that don't know, I used to work with Terry Bores at the score. And yes, I, you did. I miss you so much. But I mean, it, it, we got a lot to talk about. We do, and I, and I think that you're another one of the guys that off the uh, off the old tree of the score. That that to me, I mean, what I did is almost irrelevant at this point. It's what those who are doing it right now are doing. You and a lot of other guys. I mean, Judd Surratt's the voice of the Bruins. I mean, everybody that yeah. Mike Greenberg is that he's off at his own ionosphere, isn't he? He's so, such a big star, you can't even find him. <laughs> um, so I mean, I think there's a um, to me, and, and not that I had anything to do with it, but there's certain satisfaction to watch young guys do well. I mean, I think that's just terrific because I'm old and tired and used up, and you know, anytime you live three months in Florida, you feel like you're you're ready to go at any time. So just like watching your neighbors, <laughs> so I. I um, but it's great to see guys like you succeed, and I think that's you know, it's just a credit to a lot of people, mostly you guys. But I mean, I think it it's always it always cheers me up when I see it. It really does. Well, it's it, it's funny because I I mean this when I say this. The most fun I ever had when I was a producer was filling in producing for Boers and Bernstein. Because you guys just, it was wacky. It was, <laughs> honestly, and I was terrible at it. it. No one should actually, I'm sitting in front of a board right now. No one should let me near this thing because I sucked running the board. I was terrible at it. Lawrence Holmes would yell at me every single day. Uh, Mitch, Mitch would get on the phone and be like, what the blank are you doing? But wh- the days I would fill in for Jason and have control of that audio that that Jason Goff put in that system, it was just a blast. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, that show lasted a long time, didn't yeah. it? That's a, that's a really long time for a radio show. When I think about it, I mean, 17 and, 17 and a half years. We were seven and a half with Dan McNeil, who still can't speak, and <laughs> then 17 and a half with Dan Bernstein. So, I mean, I've had my fill of Dan's, but um, thank God you're not, you're not Dan Hogue. But I... I um, <laughs> you wouldn't uh, have done in the interview. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah. done with him. Uh, so, it... it um, you know, 
guys like you, nobody noticed that, but the guy, I don't know if Mitch called him that, but he never said anything to me. I never noticed anything. Oh, I'm not a radio guy. I don't know anything about it. Whatever you're doing, you're doing fine with me. I mean, I never. I don't think I ever yelled at a producer. I don't think I, I, I don't think I ever saw you yell no, at a producer. No, I I'd leave that to others. I, I, I don't. I loved my our producers. I mean, I think they, um, you know, they they bear a lot of lot of weight, and and for little or no money, little or no thank you. So I, I think that it's important to to nurture guys like that, and not yell at them. It, you know, it's interesting you say that because I don't think Bernstein ever yelled when I was working on that show either, or had a you know he may have had things that he didn't like, but he would you know he just there, there was. Ver- that's the most common question I get, by the way, when I worked at the score, and even now from people who know I worked there, they'd be like, what are Dan and Terry really like? And I'm like, well, Terry's great, and, you know, Dan's kind of an but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. well, that's that's pretty <laughs> much the uh, universal answer, yeah. I mean, that that uh, that, that still goes. I mean, uh, that it is still what people say. I mean, I get that on the street. You miss that? No, I, I didn't. No, I, I, I don't miss any of it. I mean, I, I think that you know, there's a reason you work 50 years. I mean, I worked 20 years in newspapers, 25 years in radio, and then I'd worked five years before in various meaningless jobs, and I was an idiot at them. So, I mean, I, you know, there's a reason you do that to get to that point where you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. You don't, and I, and I didn't. I just never took it upon myself to make myself feel like I need to make somebody else's life miserable while I'm at it. I just didn't do that. You didn't do it in newspapers. I didn't yell at people. I didn't. I didn't argue at the desk. I didn't. Didn't do anything with them. I mean, I worked on the desk long enough not to. Not to fight over a word or a comma or whatever, you know. I mean, you're under deadline. Everybody's in crunch, you know. So I don't. I never found it really meaningful. You got look. They pay guys a lot of money to yell at people. They don't have to. I don't have to do it. I never did it. But that was that was the thing. I mean, it was even though Dan kind of is what he is on the radio. Yes. Um. But we had a great relationship. We still do. I ran into into him on the street like a month ago. And I love, honest to God, I love working with you guys all the time. Uh, what was the? Did you work at WGN a long time ago too, or at least I did. do yeah, some radio? sports writers on radio? Yeah, yeah, we did it for so I think that for three years. So here in Tribune Tower, yeah, which is Tribune a go- Tower. which is a ghost town now. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, there's nobody yeah. in here anymore. It's ben so Bentley. weird. They late Ben Bentley. What a piece of work. Bill Jouse and Dave Van Dyke. So it was, uh, you know, Dave Van Dyke, my old running buddy from the Sun-Times, and Bill Jouse, a, a character of all characters, and Ben Bentley, something else, again, because he hosted that show forever. Yeah. Ben was uh, Ben was here a long time, but yeah, I, I mean, I had terrific fun with them on Sundays. We did two hours. I think it was two or, was it two or three. I don't know. All I know is that bear, it, it could be 25 below, and I said this in the book. It could be 25 below out, it's snowing, it's miserable, and, and Ben wants to know we're going to get to a cub segment. <laughs> <laughs> ben, Ben, the the Bears are playing, the Bulls are playing, something's going on here besides, I don't, oh, okay, just let me know when you're ready. And I, I'm never ready. I mean, I, I'm not, no, I, I don't have any thoughts on the Cubs at this point. They're not even in spring training. But he, he was such, a, but what a great guy, what a character. You know, the one thing that I think that radio has done is it produced a lot of characters in this city's history. A lot of really crazy sure. people, a lot of really, really good people. But Ben was so unique. He was so unique with his background and the fights and yeah, I mean he was he was something special. And we we I mean we learned to coexist. I didn't I didn't you know fight with him. But the only one I really knew I knew Dave Van Dyke very well because we we'd go to during you know Indy together and sniff gas fumes together and all the other <laughs> stuff. But uh, he um, or ethanol what was it they were running at the end? But anyway, I mean 
But the, the characters from that era are so rich. I mean, and Joust was a character too. The old Tribune Reno, he's a character too. So I mean, that that era, I don't I don't know how many people I'd look at today and say, well, you know that there's that guy's crazy. I don't I don't know that anymore. This generation of writer or radio guys. I mean, it was just a different time. But Ben was unique. So this was even before the score started. Yes. And you, and this is this is in your book. It, it is obvious from reading your book that you. You could kind of foresee, you're working at the Sun-Times, mm-hmm. you could kind of foresee the, the, the death of newspapers coming. Yes. And also, it just personally, it, could, it sounds like you were kind of sick and tired of it. Yeah, I, I think there's a um, way to give advice and just kind of try to counsel them and just think that, you know, you're, you're up against, by the time we, we got into the 90s, it was clear that, that sports had become as much entertainment as anything. It was entertainment. It wasn't. It wasn't just sports. I mean, it was entertainment, and therefore you have to figure out something to entertain people. And we, they didn't. It was just like this refusal to do it. And I thought, well, I, I didn't think this was going to work. And this is before a lot of you know how many newspapers are missing that were around in 1991. Oh so I, I mean, I mean all, it's it's all mostly the small town ones. Yeah, yeah. there's some major ones too. I mean, this yeah. used to be a five city, uh, this five newspaper city. Years ago, when I was a kid, there was five newspapers in this town. So, I, I mean, something went haywire there. And I think, you know, the media and the times and everything that, that has happened since then, all the electronic and everybody's great with this, and they got the device here, and they get to do with this. And, I mean, it just sort of passed it by. And if you can't figure out a way to entertain people, not just facts and nonsense, but, but to find a way to actually be entertaining and have fun with them, then I, then I think you're fighting a losing fight. And that's all I said to him. I didn't say it in an angry way or anything. I just said... You know, I'm just trying to, when I was writing the column, I just, I'm just trying to entertain people and make them laugh, put a smile on their face. Well, we don't know about that. Okay. All right. So I said, well, you can have the column back then. And I was sort of looking around, but you're still reluctant to pull that trigger. I mean, I'd been there since um, 80, and I, I, I was still reluctant. I wasn't sure the sports radio was going to work. I mean, our signal was a daytime signal. We're doing afternoon drive when we're off at 4.30. That's a tough it, goal. Uh, I mean... <laughs> That's a it, tough goal. It, it kind of sounds impossible. Yeah, it, well, it was. I mean, you're you're off the air before 5 o'clock when yeah, everybody's in their cars. Everybody's in the car, yeah. yeah. I, and, I, and I knew it. I knew we were up against it. And I, I thought, well, Dan McNeil knows what he's doing most of the time. And I... I um, thought, okay, well, you know, we're all sort of a bunch of misfits, guys that um, are looking for something else. But it was still risky. I mean, it was still something you, you weren't sure. There were two all-sports stations in the country. New York, which had started in 87, and the Whip in Philly in, in 89. And they'd both done okay. They'd both, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say flourished, but they were, they were doing just fine. And I figured, well, Chicago's as good a city as they are when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is crazy town for sports. So I thought, oh, I can, but I didn't quit the Sun-Times right away. Didn't, didn't want to do it. And they kept saying, well, okay, let, let us know when you're ready, would you? So I alternated with Brian Hanley. Would come in some days. I was still covering Illinois. They, they. I said I want to. I want to spend some time with my kids too. I, I'm going to be all over the world doing columns. I mean, now I want to spend some time with my kids. So sure. give me Illinois, and I did that, and just general assignment stuff, which is fine. I, I, I have no ego about. It. I don't care as long as you know you're not. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to go out and enjoy my my kids. You know. So okay, they they did that for me. But I just felt in in my gut that the newspaper thing wasn't going anywhere anymore. You know, after a certain period of time in a lot of workplaces, you just hit this wall and you say, I, I don't think I'm going to go past this wall. I don't think I can get over this wall. This wall is built 
Uh, I can't. I can't get over it. Can't get under it. I can't get around it. I'm. I'm kind of done with this. So I finally made up my mind in August. We opened on January second, nineteen ninety two, and I, I, I full time in August of that year. Yeah. It took me eight months to make up my mind. I'm a little slow. Well, and, right upstairs. And I think it's uh, how many years later? It's been twenty six now. This is the twenty sixth year, right? For the score, twenty sixth year. Yep. I think it worked out just fine. I think it. I, I yeah. think it did. Yeah, I think that a lot of people there are very solid radio people and smart radio people. I mean, he sold the station for. <laughs> he started for six hundred and fifty thousand. I want to say I can't remember six hundred six fifty. I'd have to look at my notes again. But I mean, he sold it for thirty seven million. It's crazy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. In I wish in, I could do that in six years' time. That's yeah. <laughs> And then that that started the whole changes right between you yep. working with, you were working with Danny Mac, yeah. Then you end up with Bernstein middays mm-hmm. first before you moved to the afternoon. Yeah, we were all over the map. Then we were, we were eight to noon. I mean, we, we were all over the map, and and I I kind of felt that you know the ratings were flat, numbers weren't good, and I thought, well, I thought the show had a certain rhythm to it, a certain fun to it, but okay, you know, if you say I failed, then I failed. I can accept that. I mean, I suppose I should be glad I wasn't fired. But you change partners, and I barely knew Dan Bernstein. Mm-hmm. I barely knew him. He did and our Bears did, report. Yeah, I was going to say, he was covering the Bears at the covering time. Covering the right? Bears, yeah. And I, and I barely knew him. And he'd come in there once in a while, and we'd just give him grief. I'm sure the Bears loved him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that they were de- They were probably celebrating the fact that he wasn't going to be around anymore. <laughs> but I, I um, you know, so you're put in a situation where, oh, my God. You know, after all this time, did I, did I make the right decision? Did, did, was this the right thing to do? Because I, I had no idea that we were going to fail. I, I really didn't think we would. I thought the show was getting better. But when the numbers, you know, when the numbers go flat, then all of a sudden there's this panic. This, ooh, well, something's not right here. We should be better. And, and what it turns out to be is the signal still sucked. It was 1160, which you couldn't hear in Lombard. <laughs> what? So wait a minute. So we're doing this, the afternoon show, and you can't hear us anywhere in, in the western suburbs? Uh, no. Hey, by the way, the studio we're in right now was 87.7 The Game. A few years ago, so <laughs> so you couldn't hear us in Lombard. This studio knows what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's like okay. So when is that going to get fixed? When you know, finally it did when it became 670. But it, it's it, it was such a tortured process, and I figured you know did we ever really have a chance? How do you how do you do an afternoon show with it? You know we got out of it, but did you really get out of it? Yeah, we stayed on the air, but how much how much of your audience do you lose when nobody in the western suburbs can hear you? Right, nobody. Couldn't hear it. I guess you know. I get stuff all the time. People saying we can't hear you. I said, "Where are you, Lombard?" Okay. I thought we. I thought we'd corrected that. I mean, I'm not a radio technician. I thought we'd done, but we hadn't. So I mean, there were still things that needed to be changed, even as we as we moved around. You know, things still needed needed a, another a fresh outlook and some money spent and some some time, and they finally did it. But I mean, if you're going to spin your wheels for as long as we did. While making a pretty decent money, I'm told since then that they, they were doing okay for themselves financially. Well, why didn't you do this earlier? Yeah. Why did we wait so long? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what it entails to get the signal you want, or at least, I mean, I, they got the call letters they wanted. They got the signal they wanted because it was cheap. And, but after you get an audience, then you snap, you're gone at 430, and then you change frequencies, and snap, you're gone forever. Didn't make any difference if it was dark or not. You couldn't hear it. So I didn't know that. I, nobody said anything. Nobody. nobody I, I didn't. I wasn't running the complaint department. Nobody yeah. said to me, "Hey, uh, you know, they still can't hear you over there." I said, "What are you talking about? They can't hear you." 
Where? Lombard, anything west of Lombard, St. Charles, Geneva. We don't even know you're on the air. I said, okay. That's kind of a problem. Yeah, Yeah. that's kind of a problem. So, I mean, I I think that it's sort of the the little station that could. You know, you keep punching, punch, 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 and finally work your way out of the the imaginary bag you're in. You know, you're punching and trying to get get out of there. But there was a lot of of growing pains and a lot of things that made me very nervous about it. But I, I don't, you know, after a certain amount of time, you learn not to regret your decisions because when you make a decision, I, I always felt like you, you have to live with it. You, you, can, you can spend the rest of your life bemoaning it. You can say, oh, man, I really screwed up. Or you can just go on with your life. So you, you, don't, you, know, you may spend a day feeling sorry for yourself, but after that, it's over. Yeah. It's over. You made the decision. It's over with. Don't, don't look back and say, oh, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that. I did not want to have a life where I, every other day I'd look back and say, oh, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that. Because I, I, I felt like there's only so many opportunities that are going to come along anyway. The only thing is going to get so many opportunities. And I, luckily enough, I did get some. I had some choices that I could make. And if you made the wrong choice, okay. If you made the right choice, okay. I didn't celebrate myself, nor did I. Nor did I allow myself to feel like, oh man, I wish I had that to do all over again. Because you can't spend your life thinking about what you could have done, what you should have done. That's no way to do it when you do this job. Don't do it. Don't worry about it. Just move on and pretend like it didn't happen. Which is advice I think that anybody who chooses to beat themselves up over stuff should should listen to. Don't beat yourself up. You know, if, if it seemed right at the time, I'm not talking about you making up your mind to rob a bank. Right. I'm just talking about making a career move. Just making a decision. Making a decision that you know is right. Yeah, and it applies to anybody. Yeah. Not just anybody. radio. Yeah, yeah, anybody. I mean, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If there's a risk factor involved, okay, that's fine. Yeah, let the risk be. And everything in life is a risk in a way. So let it be. But don't, don't beat yourself up over if you're wrong. Because that's what people do, where they, they put themselves in this corner because they made a mistake, or they, I can't get out of it now, I've made this awful mistake. No, no, there's always a way to find it, but don't, don't spend a lot of time, because I've been hard on myself forever. I mean, I always felt like I could have done this better, I could have done that better, and I finally just one day I realized, stop it, stop it. I'm still hard on myself, but not, not more than like one day. That's it, it's over with. I can, I can feel sorry for myself or feel like, oh, man, why did I do that? And after that, it's over. Done. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to mention it again. I'm not going to talk about it. If I made the wrong decision, fine. And everybody makes a lot of wrong decisions in life. It's not, it, nothing's cut and dried. There's nothing easy about doing any of this. So, but, but I feel like too many people waste too much time thinking about what could have been instead of what is. I could tell, Terry, that you've been really reflective probably over the last few years. Oh, yeah. With everything yeah. you've been through, yeah. and uh, you know, leaving the score, being sick with cancer, uh, that you're doing great now. You look great, but how much has these last few years kind of changed your perspective on really everything that you just talked about? It, it has. I, I mean, I, I realized that um, I, I'd realized a little before, but this drove it home that you know, when you start talking about things in life that, that you could have done better, and, and then you get hit with this. Where your your face is getting carved up for fifteen hours, and then three months later, it's it's another ten hour surgery. I mean, you sort of start to understand what's really important, what what what's really the fight, what 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 you're really fighting. It's not it's not the imaginary dragons you're fighting; it's the real dragons. So I I, I kind of um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of time to reflect now because retirement has been good. You know, yeah. I kind of like it, but I, I'm. Um, you don't have to watch the Bears every no, week. No, I, I, no, thank you. You don't, but you don't have to watch the Bulls. No, no, I, no. <laughs> I, I don't have to. It's like you know, you can cut the cord. 
just cut the cord. I don't. I don't care. I, I uh, canceled my football package. I canceled the baseball package. I, I'm. I'm. It's just not going to get its money's worth. It's expensive, and why should I? I mean, right. I'm not gonna. You know, be sitting up in the middle of the night watching baseball anymore. So, because for the first time in my life, Adam, and this is true, for since I was a kid, I sleep well. I never did. All the time I worked, I really was a was you know, unless I was on the road somewhere with the bulls or something drunk, then I slept. But I mean, other than that, I, it, it, sleeping has always been a problem. Not getting enough. Now it's not. Mind is at ease. I mean, if you let yourself kind of just go. Be be who you are, and don't don't worry about what what could have been. Or so I don't I don't spend the word a minute worrying about any of it at this point. I mean I I um, but it has when you when you look at it from the perspective of somebody who, you know, you think things are going well, even though it's just an awful process. The, the oral surgery is just just a god awful process, and, and plus the fact that you are so down. And my wife was made into a home nurse. They give her instructions because they don't, you know, they want you out of the hospital because everybody thinks you're, you're trying to screw over the insurance company. Right, yeah. Everybody thinks, so how long has this asshole been in there? 15 days. Oh, well, it's about time he went home. Well, first of all, I wasn't ready to go home, really. I, I needed to be tube fed, couldn't eat. And all the other stuff that goes with it, there was a home nurse that came by, but she wasn't doing that. Wasn't a, it wasn't a care nurse, just somebody to check on me. And then I had a therapist come by and do various exercises and stuff. So my days were pretty much just trying to get better. So you focus in on that. Don't worry about anything else. And But, you know, look, I have a smart wife because she, she picked this stuff up right away. I mean, I, you could explain that to me a hundred times over. I still couldn't do it. <laughs> not, not a chance. Not a chance. I'm not aft at any of it. It's like, okay, she knows how to do that. And she said, yeah, I got it. I got it. You'll be fine. I said, okay. And I, I mean, I was, but it, it was, it gave me a great, a, a lot of opportunity to just sit and think about how lucky I've been. Not how unlucky I've been, but how lucky I've been. Because, you know, if you can go 66 years and, and be, um, lead, lead a life that um, I think most people, sports fans would kill for, just to be half the places I've been, um, I, I think you'd, you, you'd be pretty grateful at the end of the day. Not, not, disdainful or looking back and saying, oh, eh, eh, I don't think anything of it. I, I do. I, I realize how lucky I was. And, and I think there's, you know, it's a, sort of an era now where a lot of guys don't even, you don't even cover as much. If you know, newspapers don't even cover what you used to cover, at least yeah. with the number amount of people. So, I mean, I was extraordinarily lucky to, to be a part of a lot of stuff that these, these days you'd have to beg to go do. Absolutely. You know, nobody has the money anymore. They're not going to send you anywhere. You know what's interesting about our relationship is I feel like you and I got closer after I left the score. And mm-hmm. a lot of it had to do with what I went through right after I left, which was uh, you know a month later my son was born two months early. And, I remember. And I, I, I think you reached out to me, and I, and I had never really known anything about your son John and what he went through battling leukemia when he was a kid. And just hearing you know your support, uh, you know that, that certainly brought me into an area of your life I never even knew about when we worked together oh, yeah. and it oh my god Terry it helped me so much those days when you're sitting in the hospital uh, it, yeah it, it, it is there's nothing um, you know never mind what we go through it uh, when you have a son who's going through that or a daughter either one and you really start to you know you 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 gain a new perspective on so many things and I mean, we almost lost him because he was disconnected from his the breathing thing, and he would, you know, somehow the thing—it's like an old bad movie—the thing was unplugged. So I mean, he he really had a fight. And in those days, we're talking about the late '76. He was diagnosed when he was five, and you're, you're talking about a time when 
It wasn't quite as sophisticated as it was today, although they had the stuff. They, they, they had the idea that he would be okay. But it, it's still, when you come as close as we did to losing him, you gain a whole perspective on life again. You, you just look around, and then when you see somebody like you and your son, and, and, and you know what you're going through. I know exactly what you're going through. So it, it, it's just something that's very important to me. So I don't care who it is. If I know him, I'll reach out to him. Yeah. And in any kind of situation, I'll say, hey, man, you, you relax. It'll be okay. Because I, you know, getting me to relax in those days was almost impossible. So I, I, I worked at a job then at a local newspaper, and I took copious amounts of time off, and they never, ever so much as said a word about it. I mean, I, you know, it's like we were a two-man operation, so the old guy who ran it, it was my, my mentor, I mean, Johnny Myers, really had to do all the work because there's nobody who's going to take your place. They didn't like, bring in a temp to fill, fill in for you. So you really, I mean, I, we'd, we'd be downtown for days at a time, sleeping at, the, at Ronald McDonald's house. We couldn't afford to couldn't afford yeah. to stay in a motel, even a hotel, you know. Uh, so anywhere down there. So we we did it, and I, I think you learn so much about yourself. And did it change me immediately? No, it, it it didn't. But it made me more aware than when I hear like about you or somebody else I know or a relative or something. I immediately reach out because I I feel like if there's anything you ever need to talk about, we can talk. Yeah, because I've been there, and I, I know what it's like. I know what you go through. I know what your insides are, but I I, I was lucky there too. I mean, they could have just as well said, you know, if you're going to be gone three months or whatever, we can live without your dumbass. So I thought, okay, I would have perfectly understood that. Sure, absolutely, but but they didn't. They didn't, and and the insurance was terrific. Even back then, it's terrific. So I mean, but all these little things that come up later, you go, oh my god, how did we survive this? How did we? How did we get him through all this? And I'm thinking, how did you? How did he get himself through all this? You didn't do anything. You just sat there like a goof. But I mean, it, it was very. You know, there were there were a couple of three days in there where we wondered if we were going to ever take him home. And that's a feeling that I know you and I don't wish on any no. parent anywhere because Never. No. I can relate to that. I don't. I haven't talked about this much, and I don't really need to go, go into details. But you know, when when we knew the baby was coming, I thought I was 100 percent convinced that either my wife or him. Not going to make it. I actually went into the room thinking that, and that was just a, a terrible feeling. The fact they both made it out, um, it you know, very difficult. You think about it every day, and so your yeah. your support and reaching out after all that, and, and uh, telling me about stuff I never even knew about from your life. I mean, that's the real Terry Bores that I want people to understand from this interview. Uh, and all of this in, is in the book too. Uh, there, you know, there's a chapter on on John. There's a chapter on your own situation too, and it's uh, yeah. It's well, emotional it's, stuff. It's my it's my life, and um, uh, you know you um, like I say you can second guess and you can say what's wrong with you, and I I wondered for a long time, but you know they always say your brain's not fully formulated before you're like twenty anyway if you're a man. So I thought okay, well that's there's a lot of ready excuses there, but but what it did even in the mix of all the sorrow and and the angst and the wondering is that it helps you grow up, it it, it grows you up fast, and and I probably still needed it. I mean there was still a um, a side of me that didn't quite get it all, you know, and, and by the time that was over, I did. I did. I mean, I, it just changed you, it changed you in so many ways, some subtle, just some, some things that you might, you know, but I, 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 I look at it now and I go, okay, all right, we, we did it. And even when I wrote it, it still made me, you know, it's still a, a very tender, sore moment for me. And I, I, I kind of, um, you know, it, guys like you, 
and those who others who reached out to me about this stuff and say, yeah, you know, I've been there. I, I know what you're talking about and so forth. Those are the ones that are most rewarding to me. If in any way I helped anybody that tried to cope with this or the way you cope, I, I don't have all those answers. But, I mean, I can, I can explain to you what we did, what we tried to do, how you feel, and what you go through. But, but I, I had, you know, both my parents had died young, both died at 56, so I'd had, you know, a decade of loss. Because my aunt died, too, that year, in 76, the year John got sick. And it, it just was, um, the 70s to me were just hell, just, just a living hell. And, and this is the time when you're launching your career, right? This is, this, you're, you're, you're now, you're, now you're grown up and you, you've got to act like a, stop acting like an idiot and, and start doing what you're supposed to be doing, which I finally learned. I, it took me a long time. Took me longer than most. Uh, my brain just doesn't work that way. But it it, um, it it taught me lessons that have carried to the '80s, the '90s, to, to now. I mean, it 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 changes you. And you say, is it for the better? Well, I I think so. I think it does. I think it changes you for the better. Well, it, it, that's a good segue to the one thing I learned in this book that I had no clue, kind of came out of nowhere, was your love of cars. I do love cars. And, yeah. and racing. You had a '69 Dodge Charger. Mm-hmm. And like you didn't just have this car. You no. were you were racing them. There's an unbelievable story in here about you ending up in some random field in Indiana, right? Yeah, Trying to find I, some I, parts. I, buying parts, yeah. We we the guy that <laughs> What are you I, doing? I, I don't know. I couldn't afford uh like a lot of parts, you know. I couldn't afford like what they'd actually cost. So I wanted a gear and I wanted uh, a little thing for the engine. And and I thought, well, I looked at it, and there were a lot of really expensive, right? So I, a buddy of mine says, I got a guy who'll give you a better deal on it. And I said, you do? Uh, how, many, how much better deal? Oh, he said about half of what it would actually cost you, and he'll put them on for you. Because I can't do it. That's, you know, that, 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 my, my brain does not run to anything like fixing something. That doesn't work that way. So I said, okay. He said, I'll, give, me a, give me a couple days here, and I'll work this out, and we'll go out and see him. I said, okay. All right, we'll go out and see him. Well, we drive to Indiana, which, oh, for the love of God, what are you doing anyway, just doing that? And, and I, we drive out there. I had no idea after a while where we were going. And that's sort of what we used to do, patrol streets and just kind of goof around. We drive out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around. There's not a... And it was late at night, right? Know, late at night, yeah. like one in the morning. And I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. There was no street lights, nothing. So I'm looking around. I said, are you lost? He said, no, we're almost there. I said, mm, how much further are we talking about? We've been going about an hour and 10 minutes. I, he said, "He said if I'm right about this, we're pretty close. I've been here before. I said, okay, but how do you tell where you are? Look at this. <laughs> how do you tell? He said, well, I'm on the right road. Okay. About five minutes later, you see this kind of this huge shape formulating off to your right there. And I go, is that it? He said, that's it. And it's this old-looking, beat-up building. And I said, okay. He said, this is the place. I said, really? I said, there's no lights. There's nothing there. He said, oh, there will be. Okay. Pull up. He goes and gets the guy out. Guy looked like he was an extra in deliverance. And he, he um, comes out and says, uh, what are you looking for, son? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a, um, uh, a tire maybe, uh, a, a gear, uh, maybe a little something for the engine, something for the torque. He goes, I got all that right here. I said, okay. And he says, follow me. So he pops this out, and the garage opens, and then the lights come on. It's like the giant, the biggest auto parts story you've ever seen in your life. 
Wow. And as it turns out, all stolen. Of oh, course. yeah, because why else would it be in the middle yeah, of nowhere? Why, it's yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so obviously he was running stolen auto parts. But I, you know, for the price, Adam, I thought, well, uh, that that seems about right to me. He said, well, just just tell me what you want and then bring the car back and I'll put it on there for you. I said, that sounds like a deal. So I got probably r- roughly $3,500 worth of parts put on for 1500 because that's about all I, you know, I'd saved. Um Saved a lot of money for the car. Saved every dime I'd ever made because I started working when I was 16. Saved every dime I'd ever made to buy the car. It was 3300 So I'd saved everything I ever had trying to put aside because I didn't have a car. I didn't have no, no yeah. way to get a run. Nothing. And you had right. to have this car. You had to have this car. So I wanted this car. We went down to Mr. Norm's and bought the car. And then I thought, well, we can make this even better. I thought, well, okay. We can, we can do that because I was reading the, what, what could I do to make this even better. And that, that was one of the things you could do. Okay. So I came back about a week and a half later, and the guy's all ready. He's in his coveralls, and he's, he's all ready to go. He's all ready for action. And I said, well, how long do you think this will take? He said, son, he said, it ain't going to take me long at all. I said, okay, all right. He said, you have my money? I said, yeah, I got your money. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, got, I got your money here. So he did it. He did it in like an hour and ten minutes or whatever. He did the whole thing, put the, put the switch things around and did it all and, and made it louder and crazier and everything else. And... That's what he tried me. He tried me fifteen hundred bucks. I said that's exactly what I, I said. No extra. Ch-. He said no. I said when I tell you fifteen hundred, I mean fifty. Okay, wow. I, I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. It was, it was probably thirty five hundred. Well, two months later, the car got stolen. Every part that was put on it was was gone anyway. And and when you they steal your car, it was probably the they, same guy. Yeah, <laughs> he probably came and got it. It was the old Washington Park, Homewood. Those of the South Suburb might remember yeah. Washington Park, eh, Sky Point, and. Um, uh, and the car's gone. I'm looking. I said, you know, I said to my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but we were going out. And I said, I, I, I'm so romantic. I took her to the races. That's right. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I parked it right under this light here. She said, yeah, you did. I said, mm, but it's not there now, is it? So I had to go through the whole thing calling the cops and everything else. Three days later, they find it on the south side of Chicago stripped. Oh, man. Everything gone. My new tires, everything gone. Well, I didn't have any money to do anything about it. And the insurance company only pays what's stock with the car. So they put every all the parts they took off, they put all the old parts back on. Yeah. That's all they pay. Oh. And then they canceled me. <laughs> <laughs> and then they canceled me. And by the way, you're canceled. You're canceled. No. No, 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 no. That was canceled again later on after the accident to Cal. But I mean, um, but they don't, because I said, okay, here's what I had on the car. I said, and they're like, we don't no, care. we don't care. Yeah. We don't, no, 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 no. We're going to, we, we have the 69, we charge you what's on it. We have the slip right here. It was on it. That's what you're going to get back on it. I said, well, I had racing slicks on the back. I said, I had all kinds of stuff. He said, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get what the car was when you bought it. So in other words, I wasted my entire time, and then when the car came back, it was just, you know, I I'd pretty much given up by that. I did not have any money to do anything with it, just get it back on the road and use it. And I was sort of growing up in an odd way anyway, but I mean, it, it, getting better at it, because I, I, there's no way I could save 1500 bucks again. I had a girl, you know, we were going out, and I had no way I could save that money again. So, but yeah, I I, um, I learned a lot of lessons for being a, a dummy. I mean, that, that just really, that just really like, oh man, are you kidding me? And no, no, we're not kidding you. And then, like I say, top it off, canceled me. Canceled. Like, it's my fault. Like, I right. stole it. Yeah. Because I said the guy, why'd you well, do that? Yeah, why? Yeah. Why did? Yeah, wh- why are you canceling me? Well, you're putting a car in dangerous places. Like, and you he said your your age is I was wrong anyway. You you can't do this when you're your age. I said can't do what? 
can't drive, can't park. What do you want me not to do? He said, well, your driving record is spotty at best, and, and then you get the car stolen. I said, well, one has nothing to do with the other. Right. I didn't. I didn't call somebody to come and steal it. He goes, nah. He said, you know what? You're canceled. I said, okay. All right. So I went to another company, and they later canceled me. So I I had, um, you know, back in those days, they were just a little jumpier than they were today, I think. I don't I don't know. I, do you know anybody who's had their auto insurance canceled? Uh, no. I mean, obviously. A little jumpier. Obviously, health insurance is a total different conversation. Oh, yeah, that's but, a different conversation. But you, go, you should always be able to get car insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like even those guys that get 10 DUIs. Well, you know, you only had two major players then, you know, and I played, yeah. for, I played for both of them at one time or another. Now you got all kinds of places yeah. to compete. Sure. You actually have competition now. You're that not helps. Just, you're not out there by yourself just saying, you know what, I don't like this idiot and he costs us a lot of money. Screw him. Let's, let's just get rid of him, which is what they did. And I mean, I, I felt so good about the wasted trip, you know, I mean, I, I love that guy who's kind of, you know, like, just like my, my image of what a guy would be that would do that. And had all these great lights on all these stuff, and it's like, oh, oh my god, it's like a show. This guy is, you know, obviously like out of a movie, right? A fence, yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's fencing stuff. But oh, I, sure. I didn't care. And the guy, I, 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 so that was my first experience, like a grown-up experience, where they said, "And we're canceling you." I said, "Okay, all right." I mean, I argued with him, but I thought, well, this is not going to end well for either one yeah. of us. So <laughs> I thought, good. I gave up. Well, there's, there's a ton of good stories like that in this book. Uh, I do want to touch on the state of radio right now mm-hmm. because it is it is changing, changing yeah. and there's a lot of problems. Uh, you know, for one, what you're doing right now, this interview, we're recording this for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's right. Even five years ago, the idea of a podcast, like I think I went to Mitch Rosen, was like, "Hey, I want to like do this. I want to do this yeah, thing." Like, He's like, you "What well. the hell are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like we got live radio, but now." Everything is moving to this device I have in my hand, this yes, iPhone, and yet the the people who are getting paid to make decisions here, whether it's this radio station, the score, wherever, they're still it's about the ratings and ultimately about billing and and making money, and yet there's probably long term it'd be better to shift things to this little device yeah. and it's just n- none of it adds up and it's a problem right now well i mean the problem is it's just in the number of it i mean the number mm-hmm. of podcasts and everything else that goes on so when you're talking about advertisers that were loyal to a station or the tv radio whatever and all of a sudden you know they kind of look at their advertising dollar and going hmm i can put it here and i can put it on this guy and over here and here and here i mean it, it's so broken up now and everybody feels it. I don't care what your radio is. You feel it. Sure. Every station feels it. And it, it's part of life right now. And there's no end in sight. I mean, you're losing millions of dollars because they're not – the ad revenue – I don't know how much it's down, but I was just visiting with Mitch Rosen, and down is a great word for it. Way down. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, but, it, but it's just like the podcast and everything that's available now that people – you know, you put three or four sponsors. You can get through. Lucky you get three or four sponsors on if you're just doing it on your own, not not like this one, but just doing it on your own in your basement somewhere. And there, there. You know, I know there are some some real success stories out there with some of these guys. Oh, sure. I know there's some. Giant- but it's very top heavy. I mean, it's very yes. like yeah. There's you know, not a lot the, of middle ground. The top ten on iTunes every day yeah. for, in terms of podcasts. Now we're talking about it, and then it's like. Everyone's just trying to figure out what the hell they're doing, what exactly, including right. me every day. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That's that's exactly what's happening. And I mean, it. It. Um, 
So when you start looking at changes in your favorite radio station or whatever, you, with part of your life, I mean, get used to it. There's, there's no, um, you know, magic bullets that's going to take away all of this stuff that's, that's going on right now. I mean, there's so many forms of media and specialized and all this other stuff. So, I mean, CBS Radio sold mid-market stations, I want to say about five years ago. Got rid of all of them. CBS Sports Radio, all of them. Which got is, rid of all, all the mid-market kind of guys like Tampa and, and I think Knoxville and Charlotte and, you know, that kind of market. Okay. And then they sold the big stations, so they're completely out of the sports radio yeah. business. You know, I, I mean, it's like, seriously, CBS is out of the sports? Yes. Yes, they crazy. are. It's crazy. And they're going to stay out of the sports yeah. radio business. And actually, I, I think that what they've, they've kind of shown is they're probably right. It's a tough, it, it really is difficult. I mean, it, it, the advertising dollars just aren't there. They're just not there. And when, you, when you're running, a, you're the advertising head of a company, and you look at this and say, when am I going to get more than most bang for my buck? I can look at an audience here, I can look at an audience here, but I can look at this podcast here, which is a little less rate, but I want to spread some there. I want to spread some here. And then we'll go back to our radio station. Well, the radio station isn't getting as much as it used to. It, it's just not. I mean, and that, that's a simple fact of life now. You're sure. just not getting what you used to get. So when you start looking at what happens, what we do, what's along, there's no solution. Nobody has a solution for this. So it's become so fractured that cause I, you would have never told me, Adam, 10 years ago, 15 years, that CBS would sell off its radio, no, sports radio. No, nobody would have said, are you kidding me? All the sports radio they put together, all the stuff they had across the country, gone. You would, you would have told me that that's what they want to do. I would have said, you're out of your mind. Were you crazy? No. That's exactly what they want to right. do. And seem to be pretty happy with it. Yeah, they do. Seem yeah. to be pretty happy. I mean, it was all marginal profit, marginal money, not making much of anything on it, if, if anything. So, it, it, you know, you're talking about one of the most powerful entities in sports radio with CBS stations and market and everything else. And drawing a blank. Just, just not doing it. And you feel it everywhere. Yeah. Here, you feel it everywhere else. And there's no, I have no magic bullet for this one either. But it's interesting because I'm still not convinced that live radio is going to go away. Because no. cause I, I think pretty soon, and the big key to me is when this gets built into your car and it's all just <laughs> yeah. digital, but it yeah. still can be live then. Yeah. Uh, and I think eventually that'll be, that'll, be, that'll be done. And then, of course, you know, nothing beats a live sporting event. Right. And people are always going to want to listen to the Bears. Or the Cubs or the yeah. White Sox, whoever, Agreed. while the games are on, and there has Agreed. to be something delivering. That. I agree with you. I, I, I just I, I, all I know is that when you talk about the actual money, the thing that makes the whole thing spin, sure, it it's yeah. just not there. And I, by the I, way, I and by the way, if you're looking to advertise, uh, where to put those dollars? <laughs> you know, Sports Central is a great place. Yeah, that's been a great yeah. place. Yeah. So I, I mean, that that's what it is. Though it, it's you know, I don't think it's anybody's fault. I don't think that. This radio station or that radio station made huge mistakes or they just you know misinterpreted the fact. No, I, I don't think that happened at all. I just don't think anybody expected this much of a, uh, a love for so many podcasts, even if there's 10 of them yeah. that are super successful, that, are, that just generate a ton of money. I mean, everybody wants a part of what's going good. And you can get, you, you got your guaranteed numbers in front of you. Your your rates aren't anywhere near what they are here, and you still reach your five to ten thousand people. Sure, and I well, I think from a consumer standpoint, and it's also just from even me hosting this right now standpoint, I love the freedom that this like I don't have to break, right. I don't have to you do I nothing. Don't, yeah. I don't have to break up a show and everyone flips the channel. Like everyone can just turn tune in and yep. know, hey, Terry Bors is on this podcast today, 
and I got an hour of my time where I'm going to sit in traffic and I just hit the play button on my phone and I when it's over I'm at my destination. Yeah. There's something there's something unique about that that I think that is the flip side as well. I just talked about why I don't think live radio will ever go away. On the other side of that, I think that's that's appealing to have everybody wants control. Everything's on demand now. Everybody needs to to, to watch things, Partial listen things, whatever yeah. the hell they want to on their schedule. Yep. And that's just something that's not going to go away. The world has changed in that regard. Yeah, it, it has. And I, I don't think live radio is going away either. But I, I mean, because you're all like, you're, you're right. Absolutely right. You're still going to have the play by play of your favorite team, whatever it is, somewhere. But it, it um, and a lot of people prefer the radio. A lot, a lot of people yeah. still like the radio as well. They like TV. They just like to listen or they're in a car, whatever. That's what they do. It's not going away. It's just that until somebody figures this out a lot smarter than I am. How to how to do this? How to continue to make money? Because these a lot of the guys that were big time advertisers, their their budget is a much different now than it used to be. Their yeah. budget doesn't call for x amount of no, dollars yeah. to the score WGN. What they don't they don't call for it anymore. They don't say okay, here's what we're going to spend at uh, this station this year. No, not anymore. Yeah, it, the budgets are different. Yeah. So what what drives the kind of changes that just happened at the score? Well, a new boss. I mean, yeah. I, I think the, uh, when you, um, like buying a new toy. You, and full you, disclosure, I work for Jimmy DeCastro here. Yeah. He's the one He's the one that brought me from the score here. And I used to work for Mitch Rosen, as as you obviously did for yeah. many years. Oh, well, I, I think that um, Jimmy, you know, like every other guy who runs a radio station or a restaurant or everything else that Jimmy has, he's a power broker. Um, you know, you get, you get your toy, you take a look at your toy, and you go, hmm. You know, I really like this guy. I really, I always like this guy. He may be crazy, but I like this guy. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, to me, it was an obvious something out of control of anybody who was working at the station. You weren't going to have a say. Something was going to happen, yeah, too. You weren't we gonna all have knew it. We, everybody yeah. knew it. Yeah, you weren't going to have a say. You got no say, by the way, because it's mine. I'm doing it. Me. Not you. Not anybody working. I'm doing it. So, I mean, I think there's always that temptation with a new toy. Every, every program director or owner or whatever I've interviewed with over the years, and I interviewed with Jimmy and Greg Salk a ton of times. I mean, we had our yearly meetings. And I, they like what they like. I mean, and, and sometimes it never changes. You go, really? After all this time, all this, you still, this is still the way you think. Yes, it's exactly the way he thinks. So it... it um, you know, I I know a lot of people were shocked and appalled and surprised and everything else by it, but I, I just look at it like no. If it had been somebody from out of town, I would I would have I would have been I don't know what he likes or she. I don't, I don't know what they like. I have no idea what they think makes good sports radio. What made, I don't know, but I know what he does. I know what he thinks. Yeah, I know what he thinks. So it it, it really, I mean, it was fait accompli to me. It was going to happen in some way, shape, or form. Sure, I. I- I think we all knew something was happening. I just didn't know exactly yeah. what and and how brewing for a while. How it would all work and yeah, brewing for a while. But that that's I, I mean, it's everybody's panicking or looking at it like why would they? And some people were happy, but you know, you get a range of emotions on it. But but the fact is that if you're running something, you're going to run something. You're going to do sure. what you think is best. If there's something you somebody or something or somebody that you've always loved, I'm bringing them. Yeah, I'm bringing them. Warts and all, I'm I'm, I'm bringing him. And I, I, I can't say, you know, I heard the news when I was in Florida. I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I, I, it would be silly to say you're surprised because you know you interviewed him. You talked to him. You know what, you know what everybody there knew. 
what, what was eventually going to happen. It just was a matter of logistically getting in your mind, well, I can go ahead and do this anyway. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run the roll the dice on this, and we'll see if we, get, we do it this time. But, I mean, you love what you love. Sure. You love what you love. I mean, I'm not loved, so it's okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for work anyway. But, I mean, it, it is a, um, to me, for him, that's a very easy decision. That's like getting them to decide to comb your hair. I mean, he, he, he said, eh, okay, today's the day that we're pulling the plug today. I mean, that's that's what um, that's what he does. That's what he, you know, if you're going to run a station, you're going to want to be your station. Your imprint should be on your station. Now it is. Yeah. Now well, it is. And Jimmy came through here and did the same, did same yeah. thing at WGN. I, I mean, in my opinion here, everything's better than, than it was. See, that's Cer- what I mean. Certainly, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah seven eight years ago when i wasn't here because after i left i was originally here left to go to the score and boy it seemed like a a nightmare for a while while i was over there uh so anyway i just yeah from all the people i know obviously still know what the score and value their lives and don't just look at them as a radio host no. i hope everything works out well you know but, when people have when people do this business anyway it's an opinion business i mean that's what that's what we do is it is opinionated so you expect so you expect someone to take over a radio station, start running a radio station, owning a radio station, doing everything as part of it, and you don't think they're going to do anything? You think that that that's okay with them? What 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 you hear is what you're going to have? No, it, it, it's not. I, I don't think it was a personal assault on anybody. In, on nobody, nobody, nobody was assaulted. Nobody was. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a simple matter of preference. Sure. I mean that next that next guy that comes along, maybe he doesn't like it. So you know what he'll do? Does he'll it change again. it again. Yeah, he'll change it again. So I mean, there's no, to me, been around long enough to understand that you know I've met enough of these guys over the years to know that look, he's not just going to sit back and enjoy his life because he, he's got he's running this now. No, he's going to do something, mm-hmm. and probably as the great Clint Eastwood said, something massive, and that's what he did. Sure. Sure. Hey, I got a couple more things here on my list before we get out of here okay. that I want to touch with you. One of them is, uh, I don't know why this resonates with me so much, but you, I think this is in the book, but I've definitely heard you talk about it before, It was being on the air on 9-11 mm-hmm. and just how tough that that whole day, well, obviously tough for everybody, but to actually be on the air for 9-11, why did that why was that such a big deal as you look back on your whole career? That's a great question because I, I, um, I was sitting out back at the old score at the bunker on Belmont, we called it, and sitting out in my car. That was one of those where you gotta get you got to get on the road by 4.30 in the morning to be there, you know, to get there by 8 o'clock. So I'd been sitting out there for a while. It was a beautiful, sunshiny day. So this is when you were doing middays, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were doing 8 to noon. Yeah. 8 to noon. And... Word came out. It came out. I was sitting in the, the little back of the station back there. I got the prime parking spot finally that day. Most days you get there at five o'clock in the morning. You can probably get it five thirty. I usually got there, but it comes out and says, "You know, there, 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 somebody just hit the tower." I said, "What tower? A tower in New York." Somebody hit the. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, smoking a cigar, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. And then I, I, it hit me. So I turned on the radio, just listen to the news station, see what was going on. Start to get the news. And I'm sitting out there. and I'm thinking, oh God, what, what's going on? And then the other one hits. It's like so. By this time, I can't remember the second one. I think the second one hit just after we came on here. I want to say it was ten to nine. So it's ten to eight here. 
So it's yeah. probably just before, I want to say. But I, I, Adam, you know, I could do a lot of things. I've done a lot of things, faced a lot of things in my life. But for whatever reason, just the shock of it all, I, I couldn't do the show. I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I didn't feel it. I couldn't do it. And I, I simply said, you know, get somebody to sit in and um, if you can, then I'm, I'm just going to go home. And I, I, it's the first time, the only time I've ever done it. And I can't even begin to explain now what was going through my head. It was just swimming with, oh, my God, what now? Are we in a war? Are we, uh, what, what, what is going on here? And, I mean, as the day went on, we found out more and more sure. and more. And it was just continuing to be god-awful. I mean, I went back to work the next day. Did you? So you didn't even start the show that day? No. Uh, or did you start it? And... Well, I started it. And okay, I lasted, yeah. I think I lasted the first break and then left. Okay. I, I just, just couldn't do it. And Dan did a superb job. Bernstein did a superb job with it, I'm told. And people came in and sat with him and helped him and, and, and got through it. Um, Ron Gleason, I think, was pitched in. But but I, I um, it, it, it just was a day. I, I mean, it wasn't like, okay, idiot, so you're a sports guy, you can't deal with real life. And I, I guess the answer to that at that point was no, probably not, apparently not. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't think of that in any term. I mean, I, there, there's been several things that have happened since then that I think I could play through. I mean, as much as I find them distasteful or awful or hideous, I, I could probably do it. But for whatever reason, I don't remember the drive home. Hmm. I don't remember a thing about it. It was like you, you get in this dream state where you just can't think, you can't function. And I don't remember which way I took it, the front way, the back way. I don't, I don't remember how I did anything that day. And then when you came, then when you come back on a radio show that was designed, you know, we were still fairly new at that point, still trying to have fun, make, make sure every day was fun for somebody. If not for us, for somebody. Make, make it fun. It was difficult to know when fun started again. When, when does fun start again? When, when can we... As a, as a show, it goes for TV and radio across the country. When can we start to be us again? Plus, when, when, there were no games being played. No games. That entire week. No games. Nothing was going on. So there's on. nothing to talk about, even if you did want to talk no, about sports. There's nothing going on. So, I, I um, you know, we, we managed to make it through the rest of the week. And then David Letterman finally did a monologue where he made fun of it, and he did it. And, and I kind of thought that, you know, and I, I re- was, been reading his book, and um, he... As long with, with what I felt at the time was I credit him for that, credit him for being able to come out and do that monologue and that Friday night following and do that and just say, okay, here's what it is and and do it and, and do it with kind of a smile and a, a little a Letterman sneer to it. And it, it, um, it was cleansing, I think, not only for me, but I think for America, apparently. I mean, it really resonated with a lot of Americans. And it was sort of like, here's one guy does a late night show. With a with a fair audience, not a giant audience, not like the old Johnny Carson, you're in nothing like that, but who who has become the hub of this country because that that's a guy that's going to tell you when it's okay to laugh again. And sure enough, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we we were able to kind of start having fun again, even though there's nothing funny about it. There was no fun to be had, but we did. We had a guy call up and sing the grand old flag. So I, I mean, and that that was a one of the great moments to me. That I've ever heard. And I mean, I was laughing, so I laughing and crying at the same time. And I think that that, you know, it kind of, with Letterman able to do what he was due, because he was sort of, like I say, he was the guy you looked at and you go, okay, 
Because I haven't watched a late night show since. Since he quit, I, I don't watch any of it. Well, I remember how yeah, I how, how big of a deal it was when he retired. I think oh, I, you I, wrote I, something, and yeah, I, did. I remember I, reading it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't watch him anymore. There's nothing for me that I that I like. There's mm-hmm. nothing that's even close to that. So I and I don't, you know, and the, many of those guys are too full of themselves for me anyway. So just enough is enough. I, I <laughs> but I mean, I, I think he struck the right tone. He knew how to do it, and he still does. He's still on Netflix doing stuff. He does his little celebrity stuff is this really good but i, I think there's a um you know the, the a status you reach where you you're able to do that and get away with it not everybody could do that i mean i don't know if somebody else a late night host would have made people laugh and say okay now now we're ready he did it he did it he brought back an entire country i think that, I think that word got when once they got around then we said we could do it and everybody could start doing it again but i i didn't know when it was going to end i didn't know when we could start being ourselves again so yeah. I mean, we had these somber, solemn, awful days of, of doing sports talk radio. As you correctly point out, there's no sports. We're doing we're doing a sports mm-hmm. radio show, but we really weren't. We were doing a, a kind of a state of the nation show for four days, five days, whatever it was. And I I, I looked and I thought, well, okay, you know, I, I I we can do this if we want to, but it just it didn't feel right didn't sit right nothing nothing about the entire circumstance felt right or sat right or and we know that even the wake of this is still firemen are getting deathly ill and all, all the yeah. stuff that's left over from there so i mean there's a you know I, I think that sometimes you need that one guy to say to you okay snap out of it let's go come on you can do this we, we can do this it's okay it's okay to laugh again because that's what we do. And that was Letterman for you. That's Letterman. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I, I've been on this weird 9-11 kick lately because I've been watching The Looming Tower on Hulu. I don't know if you've heard of it. Jeff no, Daniels. I, it, it, I highly recommend it. it it's uh, it's on Hulu, though. You have to have Hulu to watch it, but it's a, Jeff Daniels is in it. Hulu. He, the acting is superb, and it's basically the whole backstory about what the FBI and the CIA knew before 9-11 and how it was allowed to happen. I would honestly say, because I didn't even know most of that stuff, necessary viewing for every American, whether, you know, it it pisses you off. I mean, you get angry watching the show. I believe you. But you need to know it. And anyway, it's just, it it put me on this whole kick of going back. You know, all the, like the Today Show replays are available on YouTube and you can watch, like, what happened uh, on the Today Show that morning as they were trying to cover this. And you get, like, angry, like the first tower goes down and it took them five minutes to even realize what had happened. And you're like, yeah, I remember. And, and you're like, what's wrong with you? The tower fell. How do you not see that? But in context, at the moment, you don't. No, no one knew what I, the hell was going I, no, on. I, no, I, I there didn't. was confusion no. everywhere. And like, so you, it, I, I can't imagine what it—the idea of even how to do a radio show that week. Shutdown that, mode. Yeah, I was oh okay after that. I, I think we were okay that week. But I mean, it, it, it um, certainly wasn't a sports audience anymore. I didn't think sure. that uh, whatever audience we had built by that point. But it, it was a. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, there's some things in life you can look back and, like I say, you regret for a day or so, but you forget about it. I, I, I regret what I did, but I, I forgot about it. I mean, I, I probably, I think the one thing that any boss should demand is to be professional. That wasn't very professional. That, that really wasn't. But um, I didn't get in trouble for it. Nobody said anything. Mm. Nobody said, hey, what are you doing? What did you think you were going? Home. And I, I don't remember the drive home. Hey, well, at least there's only one day. Other, other guys yeah. do oh, it yeah. like I was uh, one, once a week. <laughs> What's a week I'm leaving? <laughs> I'm going. I'm, I'm out of here. See you. Hey. Go ahead. Back yourself out. We both know that's true. Hey, um, so are you getting tired of being the guy who's getting interviewed all the time now? 
Uh, no, you it's okay. Go back to I doing mean, the I, interviews. Nobody, nobody. You know, uh, it, it's interesting because it comes and goes. Where you, um, when the book first came out in November, it, it was like crazy time, and there were signings, and there were a whole bunch of people uh, that uh, you know I, I didn't know if I'd ever see. And I, what, what I learned mostly from this, when I promised on the air that I would do this book, and I did it like we we're sitting together on a bar stool. I didn't, I didn't want to make it like it was some work of you know. Meh. Uh, that'll, that'll, that's yet to come. But I, I mean, I, I, I think there's a, um, a connection that guys like us that you make to people that you don't really, I never really thought about that's, that's what you were doing, but you do. I mean, this is decades of me doing this stupid stuff. And I still, when I went through those signing lines and so forth, I, I, the reaction of people is, is so crazy. And, and one of the things I, I'm going to point out, I have a couple of speeches coming up to, um, Grade school kids. I'm going to play it forward a little bit and, and give them some, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But this is some stuff. And one of the things I, I want to emphasize to them is that, yes, I understand you live in a different time, a different era. You know, you've got your face and your device. You're doing this all day long. You're doing that all day long. But the one thing that you can do to help yourself is don't forget the human being part of it. Don't, don't forget that when, you're, when you're, you're, you may be good at this and you may be good at that. But the fact is, no matter where you work, even if you're stuck in a cubicle somewhere, which a lot of people do today, that's where you're stuck. You're stuck in a cubicle. I understand that. Even some guys who are very rich stuck in a cubicle. Mm. Okay. But I mean, there's still a human component to it that I think is still the most important thing. I could be wrong about this. I still think it is. So, I, I mean, I, I, when, I, when you see the human side, as I saw so many people, oh my God! I, I mean, you you see that, and you see the effect that stupidity can have on people because that's basically what it was for many number of years. But you see the effect it has on people. It humbles you, which it continues to do, and it and it proves to me, it just showed me that you know what? Maybe what you're doing wasn't so dumb after all. Maybe it wasn't quite so dumb as you thought it was because the effect that you have on people for so long is is amazing. And you do that through human connections. You don't do it because they can turn on a radio. You can do you, you do that. You connect with them on a human level. And I think that's, that's for anybody. You know, I, I, it's, it's great to be great at device. I'm not good at any of it. So, I mean, I understand. I, I wish I'm not. It's just not my generation. We didn't have our face buried in computers. And I didn't, my kids know. I mean, my, my granddaughter, when she was two, could work on an iPhone. I couldn't even find an <laughs> iPhone. Uh, I mean, but she could do it. So, I mean, uh, I mean this is a different, different time. But I still think that one of the things... You have to keep in mind, no matter what you decide to do with your life, is make up your mind to be a human being. Make up your mind that that's, that's the connection. It, it's, not a, it's not a technology connection. There is, but there isn't. I mean, the, the real connection is still human. Yeah, that's where it lies. No, it's a, it's it's, where success lies. It's great advice, Terry. And I'd have to say that that's the number one thing I learned about you going from just hearing a guy on the radio to working with them to getting to know you at, even after I left the score. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the human the human side. Uh, and by the way, it you get that in this book because I love how you went like one chapter on radio, next <laughs> chapters on life, the yeah. next ones on. It's like you don't for they're both there, uh-huh. and it's like anyone's life. There's work. And then there's actually yeah, what stupidity. What's what's actually happening too? <laughs> so it's called the score of a lifetime. Uh, you can find it, it's still in bookstores, right? Yeah, oh and, yeah, oh and yeah. Uh, on you know, I you can order online. My wife took too. some the other day. We were in a Barnes and Noble. She took some the other day and put them in the new book section. She put, <laughs> <laughs> she put your wife just, just your wife just goes yeah, to all yeah, the stores around the town and goes there, throwing them in the news. Yeah, yeah so, okay, fine. Okay. Sets up displays right in the front. Yeah, because yeah. it was just be like, put your book in the new and then the new phase, the new uh, new uh, stuff. I said what? And I went up, look, sure enough, it's like new releases. There, there's my books. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I said, well, they'll find that sooner or later. Yeah, but somebody will see it. 
<laughs> I said, "What's that?" She's she's quite something. Very that, funny. That's awesome. Funny. That's awesome. All right, and uh, this yeah, the story about how you guys met and everything it's in the book too. It's great. <laughs> Read it. Uh, find it right now. It's the score of a lifetime. Terry, thanks so much for coming in today. Yeah, my my pleasure, my friend. Anytime. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it was very very. Well, I hope I didn't disappoint you. No, I've been known oh, to do that. No, this was uh, it, it was it was excellent. I appreciate you coming in, Terry Boards. Here in studio with us here on Sports Central, and a uh, lot, lot of fun here as we uh, look back on one of the best who ever did it, Terry Bores, in his career. And he's the great thing is you look great, Terry. I hope you're feeling Trying. great. Yeah, I I'm hope feeling, you're feeling, feeling great. Okay, yeah. And uh, I heard a little rumor that you might be doing a show with Danny Mac. Just That's one, true. One show, right? One show, yeah, one show, one show. One not show a, not a new show. No, no. He's uh, there's going to be a vacation time, and we're doing during All Star Baseball Week. Awesome, yeah. Awesome. So it'll it'll be a little uh, heavy fuel crew reunion. Yeah, if good. Danny can speak by then, good. right now. Jeez, <laughs> give me a break, man, dude. Come on. How about that time? Go home. Yeah, go yeah, home. Go. You got yeah, exactly. Poor Danny. Right. Yeah, right about that. Hey, he's trying. He's I hear him, and he's he's <laughs> yeah, struggling he, through it. Uh, he's yeah, he's been yeah. mad. Yeah, I saw him today. He's mad. Yeah, he's he's really down I about bet. this. I said, just get put out July. He'll be fine. Right. I'll go buy. A, I'll go buy a truck from him yeah. or something. And, yeah. All right, Terry Morris, thanks for coming in. This is Sports Central. Find it on wgnradio.com. Please subscribe if you're a new listener, listening to the first time. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. That's what you have to do now. That's what we were just talking about. Radio's changed. You got to subscribe to things now, even though it's free, and we still don't make money off of it. So, <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.